world. It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you five days a week, Monday through Friday. So tell your friends and uh, make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we got a fun one for you. The latest on the Damian Lillard trade saga stuff. What, what folks are saying as we get closer, about two weeks out from the start of training camp. Two weeks as as I, as I you are listening to this one. This is September 19th show, Tuesday, September 19th show. We're back five days a week. And we're back at the, that lovely time of year uh, when if you do a podcast every day, you are in danger of having something with a short shelf life. The way the reporting with the Damian Lillard stuff works is it's going to be quick, right? So I'm going to tell you everything I know now, and then when more stuff happens, we'll talk about it later in the week. So what I want to do to begin the show, uh, to close the show, we'll, we'll continue our player previews. We're counting down uh, every player on the roster, giving you a preview of what they're going to bring to the team as we head up to training camp. Today, we're talking Shaden Sharp, uh, the second in our installment of the Lockdown Blazers. Count down to tip-off, so uh, join us in, in for the later, later second half of the show for that one. But let's... Let's start with Damian Lillard, who is a member of the Portland Trailblazers as as I am recording this. But according to folks who are plugged in in the world, uh, not surprisingly, as we get closer to training camp, the Blazers are engaging the rest of the league in in talks with potentially and probably eventually trading Damian Lillard. The, the sort of timeline is still very broad. It could be now, could be a long time from now. But... If you were a long-time listener to this show, you know that I, I was, if you're a regular listener all summer, it's, I was saying, you know, I, I've kind of been, and let me just like, I'll tell you where I got it wrong, where I got it right. Where I got it wrong is that in July, I thought this was going to be something that happened during the sort of free agency period. In the first three weeks of July, I thought they would, the Blazers and Dame would find a resolution, he would be traded. I was obviously wrong about that. Um, but then when we got to August, if you listen to the show, it's like the Blazers had no urgency to trade Dame in August. The urgency wasn't even going to happen in, you know, around Labor Day. It was going to happen now as you get up to training camp. These deadlines spur action. Uh, it's, uh, it is... The time to make decisions, whether the Blazers want to bring Dame into camp and have to deal with whatever that brings, or whether they're willing and able to find a resolution and a trade that works for them now. Um, so, or like, so they don't, you know, so they look themselves in the mirror. Do we want to bring Dame into camp? If the answer is no, can they get a trade that works for them and make, make that move happen? Uh, if you're a long-time listener, you knew that it wasn't going to happen in August, wasn't going to happen in early September. Now it's going to happen. And guess what? According to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, the Blazers are, are are reportedly active in trade talks, engaging in multiple teams, particularly, it seems like, in finding, uh, rerouting routes in multi-team deals. Uh, Woj's report on ESPN, it was, it was a spot on the Sports Center was a little vague in the way that he can be a little vague um, when reporting breaking news, but I think uh, engaging multiple teams, not just the Miami Heat, uh, he didn't specifically say the Heat because he has like kind of sworn off mentioning Miami by name. Um, that's like something to watch with the Woj stuff. But um it is that the Blazers are indeed engaged in trade talks. They're back. They're back. Folks are back. And and then and the league is back on, you know, after after kind of quieting down and nothing really happening at through the end of July and all of August. We're back. And the Blazers are engaging in trade talks. Whether something gets done, that is sort of not the reporting from Woj, but they're but the Blazers are making calls, trying to make it happen, looking, you know, figuring out what the market is there for as we get, you know, within two weeks of training camp. 
one of Adrian Wojnarowski's colleagues at ESPN, Brian Windhorst. Your boy Wendy says today, uh, an episode released on Monday, September 18th on the Hoop Collective podcast, that the Blazers are, quote, asking the Heat to, and here's the quote, empty out all of their trade assets. That's what they want the Heat to do, empty out all of their trade assets. And I, I have mentioned this in the podcast a bunch, that I think the Blazers' starting point for um, asking the Heat should be, okay, everything. We would like everything. All the picks, all of the pick swaps, both young players and Jovic and Hakez. We want Tyler Hero just because we want him. We'll figure out what to do with him later. We, you know, we want we want all of it, all of it. That's got to be the Blazers' starting point. And if and if and if you believe the sort of truth that they really hadn't engaged the Heats in any Heats, they hadn't engaged the Heats in any meaningful way until now. It makes sense that that would be their starting point, according to Brian Windhorst. Though the Heat don't feel like they need to go that far because the Heat believe, at least according to, to Wendy, that that there aren't offers that are going to force them to beef up to the level of everything. So everything would be, they can trade uh, uh, their picks in 28 and 30. Um, they If they, they owe a protected first round pick to OKC, but they could change the protections on that and trade a 2024 draft pick. That, that pick's going to stink, but the Blazers are going to want it anyways. is isn't the right thing to do for ask for it. Once you do that and you're getting 24, 28, and 30, you can give picks in, uh, in, in, in 20, swaps rather in, in 25 and 27. So, like, ask for it all, then ask for all of the parts, Jovic and Hakez, and, and whether you prefer Lowry, um, who was at a football game with John C. Billups over the weekend. Is that meaningful? I will say it's funny timing. Um, and, uh, you know, and whether you want Duncan Robinson and we want and the Blazers want Tyler Hero absolutely, absolutely included in the trade. And, you know, maybe they even ask for Caleb Martin in there, too. Right. Like all of it. Put it all in there. That's that has to be the, the starting place that you ask. But according to Wendy, the Blazers or the Heat, you know, don't feel compelled to put all of put all of the chips into the into the middle of the table right now. Two weeks out when the Heat get close to the training camp, maybe they'll change their mind. Maybe they're hoping that the Blazers don't find another trade partner out there and so then they have to come off their ask because they're ready to have a resolution you know this is this is the negotiating period we've reached the period where there's actual negotiating and so thus people who break news know that there is actual negotiating going on and on that same front mark spears of espn and anscape reports that the that quote another eastern conference team the blazers have have received interest from damian lord and another eastern conference team and in in this it was on NBA Today on, on ESPN, on a on, uh, show hosted by Malika Andrews, Portland Zone, UP Zone. She's from Oakland. UP Zone. Go Pilots. Uh, Spears says there's another Eastern Conference team that has sort of engaged the Blazers or, 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 or registered interest in, in trading for Damian Lord, but, but Spears declined to name that team. Huh. <laughs> I read that one of two ways. That some combination of Philly, Brooklyn... Or Toronto is actually considering what they can push into the pile to trade for Damian Lillard. Philly, not much. Um, Brooklyn has appealing picks, but not like the greatest picks. I don't think those Phoenix picks are super, super good, but they're for, they for sure have them. So like ask for them. Um, they've got picks. And Toronto has, you know, if they're willing to trade Scotty Barnes, they've got the shiniest, shiniest piece available, but like wh- whatever it might be, um, those ty- those Eastern Conference teams, if I, I, I'm not reporting that there, I'm just guessing it's like the type of teams that would trade for Dame, right? It needs to be a team that can convince themselves with Damian Lillard in hand, we can compete for a championship over the next two seasons. That's like, that's literally, that's like the, the exact flavor of team that would trade for Dame. Those teams seem to make the most sense among, quote, Eastern Conference teams. You could read this one of two ways from Spears. One, 
and I, I, I should say this, this is the sort of this time of year. I'm not questioning Spears hearing this or his reporting at all. I'm not by any means calling it false or incorrect or anything like that. Dude's plugged in. He knows a bunch of stuff. Had to sit down with Damian Lord earlier this earlier this summer. Like he's 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 in the game. A veteran, I believe, a Hall of Famer and media Hall of Famer, Mark Spears. I read this one in two ways, though. One, so that there is truly interest from Philly, Brooklyn, Toronto, Boston, whatever it might be. And two, wouldn't it be nice for the Blazers if there was another team that was legitimately interested in Damian Lillard? And so why you're hearing this is because it is valuable for the Blazers to have it out there that there is more than one team registering real concrete interest in Damian Lillard. And, and if you hear that um, and don't hear a specific team, to me that has, you know, the rarely does the mystery team swoop in. Often the mystery team drives up or drives down the asking price. And I think in this case, for the Blazers, obviously it'd be way, way better if there were multiple suitors that were legitimately interested in Dame. And then you could go to Miami and say, we'll trade him to Toronto. We don't care. And then Miami does have to put all of their um, trade chips in. And Toronto was never really interested anyways, but you were able to leverage that leverage that sort of interest or, or, or idea of that interest was out there. So that's the latest on Dame. I'll say this. I had been very confident in July that a trade was going to get done before training camp. I've kind of maintained that I do think a, a, a trade will get done before training camp. And it was getting dicier over the last few weeks when when like the, the league was radio silent and the Blazers were radio silent. I still kind of think a trade gets done before training camp. But certainly the Blazers don't have to. They don't have to. That's, not how, that's absolutely not how this works. But... Um, it does feel like there's momentum picking up in that direction. And there's been some reporting from uh, from Miami local reporters that, that there's been, you know, talks between the two teams. And as Wendy reported, you know, it's clear there have been talks between the two teams. I I think this still ends with Damian Lillard getting traded to the Miami Heat before training camp. But we shall see. Certainly, um, you know, if I was wrong in July, I could be wrong in September. That's how it works. And guess what? I'm the type of person that will... Gladly tell you that I was wrong, um, and I probably won't toot my horn too loud if I was right. Um, that's that's just how the show works. Okay, let's let's. That's enough, Dame. Right? That's enough, Dame. <laughs> let's talk about Shaden Sharp. He's the Blazers' biggest breakout candidate on the whole roster. Is year two Shaden Sharp, sophomore year Sharp. Let's talk about what that's going to look like. Look back on what he did this season, and then and his first season, and look ahead at what might be coming our way with Shaden Sharp in year two. Before we do that, let's talk about FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Look, the NFL season is here and it is an awesome time to snap into action with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel. Because right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. It's safe and secure. When you win, you get your money quickly. And there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, including player props, including over-unders, and a whole bunch more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right. So we talked Damian Lillard. Now let's shift gears and do our season previews. This is 
the second installment of our third annual Locked on Blazers countdown to tip-off, running down every player on the roster, giving you a brief but thorough look at what they'll bring to the Blazers, look at how they performed last, last season, talk best and worst-case scenarios for the upcoming year, and then finish the show with expectations and discussions of a likely role with the Blazers. If you missed our first one, we did Jeremy Grant last week. Check your feed to catch up, or if you're on a YouTube watcher, there is a playlist, season, previews. You can watch that Jeremy Grant video to get all caught up. Today, we are soaring with ease, talking all things Shaden Sharp. Sharp, the number seven overall pick in the draft as a rookie, averaged 9.9 points, three boards, 1.2 assists, and 22.2 minutes per game. He appeared in 80 games, shot 47% from the floor, 36% from three, and 71.5% from the free throw line. I think the way to do this with Sharp is to draw some some lines, some demarcations in, in his season. These are a bit arbitrary, but I think they help you understand the various Shaden Sharps we saw last year. Through his first 11 games, Sharp was playing real minutes, 21 a night, as a rookie, immediately in the rotation on night one, um, you know, there was some debate coming out of camp whether he was going to play at all. And Chauncey Billups said, I'm absolutely going to play this dude. He's too good to not play. Um, and 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 I think there was some incentive from the franchise in general to like, let's get him on the court and see what he's got. So in those first 11 games, he averaged nine and a half points, 2.7 boards, half an assist, shot 51% from the floor, 44% from three and 70, uh, excuse me, 73% from the free throw line. He didn't know how to play NBA basketball. He made the jump from playing, you know, high school AAU, the high level AAU tournaments of the high school circuit. Skip, you know, didn't play in college, practiced a little bit with Kentucky, but didn't play in college. And then makes a jump to the league. And it was clear, and he didn't play in summer league because he got hurt right away, four minutes into summer league. So it's like he, he just hadn't played professional basketball. And it was clear in those first 11 games, he didn't know how to play professional basketball. He was having trouble just, you know, being ready on the catch. He was getting beat on defense. He was, he, he looked young and he was shooting 52% from the floor and 44% from three. It was like, this dude doesn't know how to play and he's this good. What's he going to look like when he figures out what he's doing? It was like, it was so clear in those first 11 games, the obvious struggles of a teenager making a massive jump. And then just like, really, really, really talented basketball player. And then he he hurt his thumb. He, he fractured a bonus thumb on, on November 18th, excuse me, November 28th against, against the Charlotte Hornets. Misses the next game. It's the only game he's going to miss before they had to hold him out. Um, and he comes back from, from that injury and he just can't shoot for basically six weeks. From that moment, so basically the end of the very very last day of November through the end of December, through the end of the year, um, basically five weeks, a little a little over five weeks, um, he, he played 18 minutes a night, 19 minutes a night. So no real reduction in his minutes from 21 to 19, but like no real reduction in his minutes. 6.8 points, 2.3 boards. 44% from the floor, 30% from three, 56% from the free throw line. This was like the the awards push, right? Like this is why he didn't he didn't end up in the Rising Stars game. It's why he didn't participate in the dunk contest. Um, he was, this was the stretch where he just struggled and looked young. And I think that the stuff I talked about, the defense and the sort of being shot ready and all of those things, like he just floating on the perimeter, kind of not making reads, not knowing, you know, he would, 
he wouldn't have his feet ready under him, right? He wouldn't load up his feet under him. And then when he would catch it, because his feet weren't loaded up under them, he would, he'd either have to put the ball on the ground, he doesn't have a super strong handle, or he'd have to get his feet ready and shoot, and then you're taking a harder shot because you're not shot ready on the catch. And then you're getting into turnovers, you're getting into more difficult shots, and it's like the, 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 he has some real skills, but his brain was slower than his body because he was still during this stretch when he was struggling, you know, once a week, he was having just like he would throw down a dunk or, a, you know, or or a put back dunk or, or, or make a cut and, and dunk in, in, um, in the half quarter, get a dunk, like a steal in a dunk in transition where it's like, oh, OK, like I've, I've, I don't think I've ever seen someone jump that high, but he was struggling. So then we get, we get the year flips to January, play 36 games. From January through the all through the All Star break in February and, and until the until the March nineteenth, this was until the the Blazers kind of punted on the season March twenty second and, and that was uh, Shaden's first start. But f- so the next thirty six games January through the through the third week of March or into the third week of March I should say he just like Shaden started to figure it out that something kind of clicked in early February started to get it going average eight points two and a half boards to play in 21 minutes 48 and a half percent from the floor all of a sudden you know up from up from 45 to 49 percent 36 percent from three down from 30 in the during that December stretch after he hurt his thumb up to 36 percent like slightly above average and from 56 percent from the free throw line to 70 percent from the free throw line it's like he just is more comfortable then he starts that that gets you to the final 11 games of the season. Again, these are arbitrary numbers for sure. Final 11 games of the season. He starts 10 of those and gets a DNP in the other one. So every game he appears in over the final 11 games. One of them was Dame's last game. Then they shut Dame down and and Shaden kind of gets to play. But even the game he started with Dame, he had 24 on the road in... in, uh, in Salt Lake City, I was going to say Sacramento. Salt Lake City against, against the Jazz. Potentially the last game of Dame's career. I will long remember it. March 22nd, Salt Lake City. But over those last 11 games, with Shaden's average 23.7 points, 6.1 boards, and for me, the big one, 4.1 assists. That's a huge jump in, in playing 35.9 minutes, obviously a ton of minutes, 46% from three, 37.8% from the three-point line, excuse me, 46% from the field, 37.8%, basically 38% from the three-point line, 77% from the stripe. So he's playing way more minutes, he's getting way more chances on the ball, and his efficiency goes up. It's like, okay. Now, some of this is like they lose by 42 to the Kings and Shaden's goes 38 and 8 in 45 minutes, right? Like he plays the whole game and gets like carte blanche to do what he wants. And it's just like non-competitive games, a bunch of non-competitive minutes. It's not like a perfect way to judge. But enough of stuff you saw was real during that to say like 23, six and four, 24, six and four is basically what he averages his final 11 games. Say like some of that is just like weird blowout stuff, weird tank season stuff. Okay. But the shooting is still pretty good. The, it's not like he's just getting like cheap buckets on bad efficiency. His efficiency goes up. He gets more on ball reps. He's running pick and rolls and running the offense through him. He has 27, six and five at Minnesota on April 2nd, dominated the final four minutes against Gobert and, and, uh, and, and Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota, you know, tr- a team desperately trying to win home games against a bad basketball team to make the playoffs. Shane Sharp says, nah, like we're going to win and powers them in the final four minutes. And just an absolutely, absolutely super impressive game. I think it's kind of weird to judge by those final 11 games, but you saw him. He 
has potential. It's maybe not that, because he's not going to get that role in that setting and all of that, but the kid's got the juice. But then he comes into Summer League, and he just did not play well in Vegas. He looked out of shape or just out of sorts. He averaged 17-5-2, but shot 34%, 34.8% from the field, 27% from three. That's 6 of 22 from three across four games. He had 10 turnovers in those four games. And you're hoping for this guy to take this big leap. He played so so stinking well as in, in at the end of the season. And, and you're gonna, you know, you have an opportunity to do that yet again in Summer League. And he just it was bad. I don't think Summer League is like I don't think you can read Shaden Sharp's Summer League as a good thing. There's no way to spin it. It's like, well, actually, it's a positive. I mean, someone out there could probably do it. I believe in you. But like, I don't think for for me, I, I, there's nothing I can watch in Summer League and say, you know what? Shaden Sharp missing two butt naked wide open dunks and, and on fast breaks is actually a positive. And here, let me tell you why. Like he was, he was bad in Summer League. I don't think you can read it as positive, but I don't think you have to read it as this like deeply troubling red flag. It's either a negative or nothing. I think that's like, that's where I'm at. I am totally comfortable if you think it's nothing. And if you think it's a big red flag and it's, it's troublesome, um, you know, I'd say it's four, four games in Vegas, but undeniably he struggled in a, in a year where you wanted to see him be one of the best players on the court. And he just was, he just was not that. So after that first year that, started with not playing in summer league and ended with playing poorly in summer league for the Portland Trailblazers. What has Shaden Sharp got in store for us in year two? That's what I want to talk about to close the show, the best and worst case scenario for Shaden Sharp, what that looks like and what his role is going to be with the Blazers during his second season. There's obviously a wide range of outcomes depending on what the roster looks like, but I think in a lot of ways, Shaden Sharp is the breakout candidate on the roster, perhaps the only one to truly have that potential. That is what we will talk about in the third and final segment. But first, I want to tell you about Jace Medical. Look, no one should have to worry that they're not going to be able to take care of themselves or their loved ones during the unexpected. With supply chain issues, natural disasters, just things that come up in our lives, even just when you're traveling and you want um, to make sure that you have that peace of mind, Jace Case, excuse me, Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace case makes sure that you have that medication on hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting all of these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical Plus an additional $20 off by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com and the promo code is LOCKEDON. All right. Let's keep it rolling. I'm still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond, still listen to Locked On Blazers. Listen, we're back doing five days a week, and I'm screwing up my intro to third segment, but I'm I'm overcoming. <laughs> keep it rolling. Let's 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 keep it rolling talking talking shade and sharp. What we do with these season previews is I try to set the polls. Best and worst case scenarios. These are best case scenarios within reason and worst case scenarios without injury. So, uh, like if you're new to new to the program, this is like every, you know we're not talking MVPs for teams for guys that can't win MVPs, and we're not talking bodies breaking down. We're talking worst case scenarios on the court between the lines. So, what's the best case scenario for Shaden Sharp? It's that he's a no doubt about it legitimate NBA wing 
at 20 years old. The best case scenario probably isn't that he averages 27, 6, and 4 like he did at the end of uh, at the end of the season, but something in the range of 18 and 5 on above average shooting, and that he continues to show the progress that he made as a defender from being a truly terrible one early in his career in a very believable way that a that a, a, a uh, 19 year old would to showing that he has at least the tools to be a pretty good defensive player if he can uh, figure out kind of just the patterns of NBA offenses. He's strong. He's got good anticipation. He's got fast hands. He's a good shot blocker as a help side player. He's, he gets in passing lanes with anticipation. He has the tools to be in a best case scenario, someone who averages 18 and five with above average defense as a 20 year old in the league. That would be one heck of an outcome. The best case scenario is that Shaden Sharp before he can take a legal drink here in the United States, he can go to Canada and have a beer. Go for it, bud. He's in Toronto in the offseason. Drink away until you come back south of the border. But the best case scenario is that before his 21st birthday, he's a legitimate NBA wing. You might say, Mike, the best case scenario is that he wins MIP. Let me be clear on this. I don't think players like Shaden Sharp should be in the conversation for most improved. If you are a second-year player who went in the top 10, you are supposed to improve. You're supposed to improve. When John Morant won most improved player, I think it's weird. He was the number two overall pick. You're supposed to get good. The the most improved to me is the for Lowry Markinens, right? Guys who have been in the league a long time, signed multiple contracts, and then have that career year improve, not just in a way that is very believable to like, hey, you were drafted to be good, but like, hey, it took you a little while and you figured it out. It's the, the sort of Hedu uh, Turkoglu, Kevin Love first time All-Star MVP or MIP award. So I am specifically not mentioning best case scenario for Shaden Sharp winning the most improved player award because I do not think he should be in the conversation for it. But the best case scenario for him is that he is a legitimate NBA wing, that he's just like, this dude can play at the hardest position to find good players. He's 6'6 with great athleticism. He can shoot. He can defend a little bit. He showed an improvement as a, as a playmaker, and he continues on that path. The best case scenario is that Shaden Sharp is just legit. You don't have to worry about him. You get to fantasize about him taking the next big leap from legitimate NBA starter rotation player to just like really good, really good starting two guard in the league. That's what we'll do next year if he hits his best case scenario. So what's the worst case scenario? It's that progress and development is neither guaranteed nor linear. And so while Sharp has flashes of being that legitimate NBA wing, those are the peaks and the valleys are a guy who's still kind of figuring it out because as NBA teams get more comfortable with him, the scouting report might catch up to his skill set. The worst case scenario is that a guy who doesn't have as maybe as explosive a first step as as I would have personally guessed when we were when he was first coming into the league, and a guy who doesn't have a very strong handle, that his athleticism is best served as an off-ball piece and not a true slasher to the rim. The worst case scenario is that he is still a developmental part and that he is a net negative because in a way that so many young players his age are not ready to be positive high-level contributors in the league, he is not ready to be a positive high-level contributor in the league. The worst case scenario is that Shaden Sharp looks like a 20-year-old playing in the NBA. It happens. It is... The worst case scenario is, to be quite honest, it is 
it's it has a a much more likely chance of hitting just because that's how development works in the league. That said, I think more than any other player on the roster, the poles between best case and worst case scenario are wider than heck for Sharp. You know, last year he averaged nine points in 80 games and shot 36% from three. I think there's a worst case scenario where he averages like 12 points and shoots 45% from the floor and 36% from 36% from three again, right? Like he averages, he has really similar stats because he was playing 22 minutes a night last year. There's a chance or last he's playing 22 minutes a night last year. There's a chance he plays, you know, 24, right? He doesn't take a big jump because he already had a relatively significant role. I think there's a worst case scenario where it looks a lot like year two or year, year two looks a lot like year one. But I think unlike any other player in the roster, there is a breakout potential from Sharp where it's like, oh, he averages 18 and 5 and he could do more if there was room for him. I don't think anyone else on the roster, when we run down this, and I've, I've kind of organized them in my head how I'm going to do them, when I'm going to do them, and, and no one else I'm going to pick to have a, a wider split between worst case and best case scenario. I, to be clear, I don't think the worst case scenario for a 20-year-old is reason to panic. Like, if Sharp struggles to be a little bit better in year two, um, it's not that big of a deal. You want to see incremental steps of him learning to play, but if he has those peaks and valleys and it's like, you know, he doesn't really figure it all out and he has another, you know, 15 games at the end of the year where it's like, oh, he looked a lot better. That's, there's no reason to panic, right? But if he hits it, but his opportunity to hit that best case scenario and to be a guy who can really score and can be a positive defender at his size with his athletic profile, like, he has a chance to be a true, true, true breakout player in a way that I don't think anyone else on the roster has a chance to have that level of breakout, right? It's like why I did the MIP caveat, because his best case scenario is like being in that conversation, although this particular podcaster does not think that that's how the conversation should work. So what we do to close these, what we do to wrap up these uh, player previews, talk about role and um likely outcome. I, you know, the whole idea of the best and worst case scenario is they land in the middle. I think Shane Sharp lands in the middle. I think he averages something like 14 on slightly below average shooting. And, um, he's like a negative defender who shows upside. Like that would be my guess, right? Like that would be my guess. Um, just because he's young and young players can take a while to figure it out. If he were to finish above that, I wouldn't be surprised to finish a little below that. I would be probably not, not particularly surprised either. Right. But that, that's what I think my sort of expectations are right in the, right in the middle of that range. It's, like I said, it's, it's, they're pretty wide poles. It's like 11 points per game, 18 and MIP conversation type of stuff. But his role is more confusing than that because if Damian Lord is on the roster it's hard to find Shaden Sharp real minutes. Like, you can find him minutes, right? You can find him minutes. Dame's going to play 35. Ant's going to play about that much. They're going to pl- try to play Scoot 25-plus minutes a night. That's a lot of minutes already at the guard spots that are spoken for. Um, you can you can, you can can find Shaden Sharp some minutes as the fourth guard a little bit, but that's not a ton. Um, you know, there's minutes for him to play backup three behind Matisse Thibel, right? He could, he could certainly, you could find a way for him to play 30 minutes a night, but it's a lot of three guard lineups that aren't, that aren't great. And it also means probably squeezing Nazir Little out of the rotation entirely or moving him up to power forward almost exclusively, a spot where I think Jabari Walker is going to play a bunch of minutes. If Dame's on the roster, it's not, it's not impossible for Sharp to play 28 minutes a night or 25 and some change minutes a night. Like it's, it, it, the math is relatively easy, but in terms of like the fit, I think Shaden Sharp's pretty clearly like the prototypical NBA two. 
Is he capable of playing three? Sure. But the Blazers playing a prototypical NBA two at small forward is like a dance we have seen before. And I'm not necessarily super excited to watch that again. Um, But my excitement should not matter. But if Dame's not on the roster and they don't, and whoever they bring back isn't going to, um, the Tyler Heroes and Kyle Lowry's either play for another team or don't play. Um, there are minutes to be had for Sharp to play 33 plus and play a lot of them at 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 two, where I think his natural position is, and then play a little bit at a little bit at small forward, six or eight minutes a night in three guard lineups, and maybe you know, and if he figures it out, maybe let him close. Is there a world in which Shane Sharp can be a, an NBA three in the future? Absolutely, absolutely. But I don't think you want to bank on that and have only his minutes really be available at that at 20. I think that's just like you're just not going to maximize his what he can do, right? And you want to put him in a good spot so he can get you can get the most out of him. There are he regardless of what the roster looks like, Dame or no Dame on opening night or opening however long Dame is around. Um, there is it's not like Shaden won't play. I, I think that that would be silly to paint it as such, but it does make it. I don't know. It does make it slightly more complicated um, for him to find natural natural minutes, and and you're kind of going to be um, shoehorning him in there in in lineups that don't make as much sense. That's our Shaden Sharp preview. That's our Dame update. That's our episode. Come back. We are going to do it tomorrow. How fun is that? Tomorrow's episode. I already mentioned him. Previewing Nazir Little. Previewing Matisse Thibel. We're rolling along. The season's here. As news comes, we'll give it to you in the show uh keep you updated on all things dame and and get you ready for the season five days a week wherever you get podcasts and all and also on youtube do me a favor we're back tell your tell your buddies you have a blazer buddy say say hey blazer blazer buddy i listen to lockdown blazers it's available on every podcast whatever podcast app you use it's available on youtube check it out because i think you'll like it all right come back tomorrow matisse is your little more fun I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.